welcome to the For The One podcast and Merry Christmas Eve. I'm so excited because with Christmas coming tomorrow, it was only natural for us to do a Christmas episode, of course, focusing on the beautiful blessing that is God incarnate coming as Jesus to save us. So grab your hot cocoa, your candy cane, and your ugly Christmas sweater, and let's get started. Okay, y'all, I just love the Christmas time. It's so fun, like getting ready to Christmas music, driving in the car, listening to Christmas music, or like just drinking hot cocoa every day. I personally love mine with cinnamon. I know people who like it with peppermint or white milk or something fun like that. Christmas is pretty like has many traditions. And so it's fun like introducing new things into that. And one of my favorite things that I've discovered this Christmas, <laughs> it's so funny. Like I'm mesmerized by it and I just think it's hilarious. But have y'all heard the Philadelphia Eagles Christmas album? It is so good. It's actually fire. And you didn't think it's so funny because if you look at the videos of like the the people singing like it's these big buff like defensive offensive linemen singing wearing christmas sweaters and like sweet songs and it's just so precious and you know what the best part is is that it's like actually really good like the vocals the songs and like very soulful my personal favorite one is merry christmas baby it's so funny but so good and me i will always be a cowboys fan for life go cowboys and we don't really like the eagles but we love their christmas album that was just my fun, like, new thing that I thought of this year. But we've had so many traditions and fun things to do. Like, my family, we throw out reindeer food, quote-unquote. It's, like, oats and, like, sparkle glitter um, into the yard for the reindeers the night before Christmas. Or we like to go look at lights and all the fun things. And, of course, the epitome of it all is, you know, waking up on Christmas morning and opening the presents from your family, being like, oh, my gosh, this is just what I wanted. And, oh, my word, I didn't even know I was getting this. And it's so, so fun. But there's a reason that I think we need to remember around this time of year, why we do all these things, why we gift presents to people, and what does that really represent, and what does that really mean, and why do we, you know, spend time with family during this time of year kind of thing. And so, what I wanted to do today is just go in depth of like, okay, the true meaning behind Christmas Today will be in Isaiah 9 as well as Luke 1 and 2. If you'd like to follow along, that'd be so fun. And so you may be wondering, okay, I know the story of Jesus is like in the New Testament, in the Gospels. So why are we in Isaiah? Well, this semester, y'all, I had a questioning moment. I was kind of wondering at one point, you know, personally, I feel like it's more popular you could say I don't know how else you describe it to read the books that Paul wrote like the Ephesians Philippians um, Colossians Corinthians kind of thing Romans is really popular and it's great because they have such good content in there especially since it came after the life of Christ here on earth and but then I was like, okay, I kind of got to the point where I was like, what's the significance of like Isaiah and Jeremiah? To me, I feel like why 
like, what's the point of an old man prophesying about ancient kingdoms and peoples? And, you know, every person comes to a point in their life when they question their faith, whether it be deeply and intensely, philosophically, like, really wrestling with God, or even if it's just for, like, a split second. And when it comes to this, you know, no matter the questions you have, it is important that you must seek answers to find the truth and not finding answers that fit what you think it should be, but actually searching for like, what does it really say? And one thing that I hear whenever Christians talk about defending the faith and why they're a Christian and the validity of the religion is one point that is often made is the fact that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is prophesied many centuries before he was born, giving him some street cred, some credibility to, okay, like, he is the Son of God because it was said and then it came to pass. And so, with these things in mind, I decided to do a devotional reading paralleling with the book of Isaiah in the Gospels. And I started in Isaiah 1 and Matthew 1, and I went from there. I was able to go all the way through the Gospel of Luke before I finished Isaiah. And one thing that was really cool I noticed was like, oh, I'd be reading one thing in Isaiah, and then I'd flip to the second half of my Devo, be reading in the Gospels, and be like, wait, I literally just read that yesterday, and like, that was said here, and then it happened here. And there was many times that I saw phrases, I even put like little bullet points every time the gospel said something along the lines of like, you know, Jesus did this and so fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah or Jeremiah or so um, fulfilling what was said, X, Y, Z. And it was really cool because yes, it was prophesied that like Jesus would be born of a virgin, that Jesus is son of God and would die and be buried and raised again. And yes, but and there are main things that we hear of that were prophesied. But I noticed like there were also many smaller scale prophecies that were fulfilled. And like they say, oh, like there's a phrase, the devil's in the details. But honestly, to me, this proves that God is in the details and he's ever working and ever powerful to be like, hey, I'm not even going to miss the smallest things when it comes to fulfilling what I said I would do because this just all the more proves my power and proves that Jesus is my son that I sent down to the earth. And one of my favorite scriptures, y'all, that's well known around this time of year is from Isaiah 9. One of the, it's kind of like an all-encompassing prophecy about Jesus coming to earth. And I love to share it with you. It's in Isaiah 9 verse 6. And it says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. How powerful and so y'all some of y'all may know this first i think it's in like the charlie brown like christmas movie of like linus singing saying it with his blankie in his hand or something but 
This verse is one of my favorites because of its power that it talks about. And just a little bit of context for it, y'all, in chapter 8, God gives word to Isaiah that there will be distress to those who do not live according to God's word and according to his instructions for them. But chapter 9 starts with the word, nevertheless, almost shifting to say there may be distress, but there is also rejoicing. It's like, okay, why though is there rejoicing when God literally said there will be distress? But he says there's going to be rejoicing too. Like, what's up with that? Because for to us, a child is born that will save us from our own destruction, from our own self-destruction and our sin. And his reign and his salvation has no end. Like the power and weight that there's a wonderful counselor and mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and his government has no end. Whoa. Now that right there is a reason to rejoice if you ask me. And what's so cool about the significance of this text is that it was written approximately like 700 years, centuries and centuries before Jesus is born. And that just brings all the more weight and credibility and power to the fact that God not only said this through a prophet, but he made it happen. And he is ever working because he set this plan, the plan of Jesus to come and save us into motion long before it came to pass. I mean, he even mentioned it in the book of Genesis about, you know, them stepping on the serpent's head in the book of Genesis when there was the fall and God talking about how the serpent will be crushed. And it's like, okay, like, yes, that is all great. And, you know, but like, why Like, why send him? What was the reason? Yes, he came and he prophesied, said it would happen. Like, what's the whole point of all this? And y'all, one of the most famous verses is John 3, 16. And it's famous because it summarizes it so well. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believed in him might not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 goes on to say, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Like God didn't need to come to the earth and say, Oh, yeah, you're a sinful person. You can't be in my presence. No, like that was already evident because we were separated from God. But he sent Jesus so that he could create a pathway for us to be purified and saved and made righteous and redeemed so that we could dwell with the Lord forever. And this is why we celebrate Christmas, that God loved us so, so, so deeply that he sent his only son to come and die on a cross for us. And his love is so pure and true and life-changing. And like I said earlier, some may think this verse is quote-unquote overused. But you know why it's spoken so much? Because it summarizes, in a nutshell, the powerful and passionate love that God has for us. That he would have this great act of sacrifice, not to condemn us, but to save us. You know, there was one year, not at Christmas, but at Easter, when I was kind of wondering, I was like, okay why do we like celebrate Easter every year? 
I was like, yes, Jesus came down on the cross, saved us, whatever. And I was like, I literally hear this story every year. How do people get so excited and like so, so amped up for it? Like, I get it. I've heard this every year. Honestly, it's kind of boring at this point, the story. And then I had to remember. I had to like almost slap myself in the face. I was like, self. I call myself self. I said, self. We've heard this story over and over. We you know, you repeat things to remember because they're important. You know, we celebrate Easter and Christmas, this past Christmas. We celebrate Christmas every year because of the immense love, because of the immense sacrifice that God had made for us, sending Jesus to die on the cross and save us from our sins. Like, I had forgotten a posture of awe because I'd heard the story so many times. I was I was bored. And I'm like, why? And like I said, I think it was just the posture of my heart not being not being really open to hearing it more, I guess. But I had to remember, I was like, this was miraculous. This doesn't happen every day that God comes to earth to physically dwell with us. And it doesn't happen every day that God sends a virgin and gets her pregnant. Like, it doesn't happen every day that the Savior of the world is born in a manger or hung on a cross. Like, this is miraculous. And this is a deep, deep love demonstrated for us. Like, how great and powerful is the love of God? And because of this miraculous and deep love God has for us, let's take a moment to remember and remind ourselves and take a posture of awe and thanksgiving as we read the story of the birth of Jesus in Luke chapters 1 and 2, starting in chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel to Gabriel to the town of Nazareth in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who has said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month of pregnancy, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. In chapter 2, it goes on to tell, In those days, Caesar Augustus, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So everyone went to their town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, 
because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom on his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who's lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning about what had been told to them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Y'all, how awesome is God? Not only did he come just the way he had said, but he had done it in a way that no one else had expected. Everyone thought, that he would come, based off Isaiah 9, like, ruling on a physical throne here on earth. Like, this great king with, like, armies and overthrowing Rome and, you know, having a coup and being an actual king in the humanity sense here on earth. They didn't know that God would come in the most humbling yet honoring way of literally in a barn, surrounded by barnyard animals. And the first people God told were shepherds. Like, most in that day and time, it'd be like, oh, yeah, like the shepherds. They smell bad and sleep with animals in the fields. But no, God came to them first. And they got to see him and rejoice and be in awe and tell the world about him. And I think it's really cool. Like I said, God is in the details that he first came to shepherds. and. Jesus is, one of his title is the good shepherd, that we are his sheep, that he leads us beside quiet waters, that he leads us down the path of righteousness. God doesn't miss the details, y'all. He does not. And that is what is so awesome, is that he can be like specific in the sense of his prophecies and saying that there will be a child born, the government will be on his shoulders, like he will be called these wonderful names. But then it's like, oh yeah, but he's going to come in a way you never would have expected. Like the awe of that, the awe that we should be having for this amazing story, this miraculous, miraculous birth, and the deep love that God has had for us. Hallelujah, y'all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus came on the earth for us. For the one who's listening, 
God loves you immensely and demonstrated that through dwelling with us here on earth and sacrificing himself for our salvation. Praise God for the life of Jesus. For the one who's listening, Merry Christmas indeed. Jesus loves you. God bless. Thanks again for listening to the For The One Podcast. Remember to follow along on our Instagram at ForTheOnePodcast underscore. And go ahead and subscribe to this podcast on your listening platform. Feel free to leave comments as I'd love to hear what you have to say. Thanks again for listening. Peace out. Peace out.